Our title of our message is don't, with a slash through it, so it means don't, don't, okay? Double negative. Be a wise guy. Right there is your hashtag for this sermon series. If you're going to put something on social media, here is uh, the email that you use if you'd like the sermon notes, and we'll be happy to send those out to you. So finally, the Thanksgiving season is behind us, and we can officially say Merry Christmas. So I want to say Merry Christmas to you, Bridge. We are just so delighted that you are here today. Kind of feels Christmassy outside today, doesn't it? Kind of cold and cloudy. And I thought I'd start the sermon today by just asking you what some of your favorite things are about the Christmas season. Uh, Some of you like the decorating part. My wife loves the decorating part. She decorates everywhere for Christmas except our house. And can I say publicly how much I thank her for that, especially the day after Christmas. Our Christmas tree, I'm not kidding you, is this high. I can get it out And now I can put it up. And I don't know about you ladies, y'all probably don't like that, but guys, we love that, don't we? (laughs) So so, uh, you love decorating. Some of you love looking at other people's decorations. Uh, Who's been downtown Goldsboro and seen the lights? I always loved that. I did that as a kid. And then they light up the water tower, and that's when it was officially Christmas in Goldsboro. And I love the music. I love Christmas music. Uh, Sometimes I scream and turn it off because I just can't take anymore. But generally, I love uh, Christmas music. I love the movies. You guys like the Christmas movies? Number one Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation. Okay. And um, I love White Christmas. I love White Christmas. And uh, uh, we love all those good movies. Uh, Love giving gifts to others. Love receiving gifts. Come on, you can admit it. Love receiving gifts. I like to get the receipt with them so I can take them back and get what I really wanted. Um, How many of y'all love the food at Christmas? Oh, man, our church is going to grow during the Christmas season. I don't know that we'll have more people, but our church will grow. I I, I was intentional about not asking you what the most important part of Christmas was because that would have been a setup. We know that the most important part of Christmas is found actually in the word Christmas, which comes from the word Christmas, which means Christ worship, or Christ mass, which means Christ worship. Christmas, listen to this, is all about celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the way we celebrate it, the best way, is by during this season making sure that we are worshiping him every day. You know, I was putting this message together and loved how it plays so beautifully off of our Thanksgiving message as we talked about uh, being thankful and that Thanksgiving is when we give our life and that is the highest act of worship when we lay ourselves on the altar before God So why do we often miss out during Christmas on the most important uh, part of Christmas? And I thought of a couple of reasons, and you already know them, but I want to mention them today. We miss out on worship at Christmas because we just really get too busy. We really get too busy. I want you to think about it. We're doing this and doing that. We've got lists we're working on. We're going from the time we get up till the time we go to bed, rushing here, rushing there. And before we realize it, 
Christmas Day is over, and we realize, we think, and we say, even in our own heart, I never got around to really taking the time to focus on and think about and worship the Lord Jesus Christ as I should have. So I want to challenge you with that. I want you to challenge you to think about that. How are you going to express your love for the Savior Jesus during this season? And not just during this season, but consistently as a lifestyle. You know, at Christmas, we kind of go crazy when you think about it. We decide to cram into one month a whole lot of stuff. Matter of fact, we pack in in, in December way too much stuff. Let, let's just look at a list of things at Christmas that we decide to do. We decide at Christmas, not all of us, but many of you decide you're going to write a card just at December about uh, to everyone uh, we've ever met, whether we like them or not. And uh, we decide that we're going to just redecorate our whole house in addition to writing cards. We decide we're going to redecorate our whole house from one end to the other, inside and out. We decide we're going to drive around searching for the perfect gift for everybody we love. We're doing this all in one month. We decide to do more cooking in that month than some of y'all do. All the 11 other months put together, you decide to do more baking in that one month of the year. We decide to go to more parties in December than we went to the whole rest of the year. And on top of that, the schools have this brilliant idea of giving our kids back to us for two weeks. Everybody say, help me. Jesus. So that's one reason we don't find time to worship. And I know we always say that at Christmas. And I know this is kind of cliche-ish. But i got to tell you guys, ain't it the truth? I mean, we, we cram so much into December. We cram so much into the Christmas season. We forget about Jesus. We forget about the most important part of Christmas. But I think there's another reason we don't worship as we should and I think that reason is that a lot of us really don't know how. We don't know how to worship. That's why we miss out on worshiping Him. In many cases, no one's ever really taught us what it means to worship or how to worship. The word worship comes from two words, worth-ship. It has to do with value, our worship for God, for Jesus Christ, comes out of how much we value him, how much he's worth to us. I remember a story in the Bible about a lady named Mary. It wasn't the mother of Jesus. It was a different Mary. And Mary came and had this uh, box or container of perfume. And it was worth 300 pence. And back in that day, a man made about one pence a day. So it was worth almost an entire year's wages. And she was listening to Jesus talk, and she was listening to him teach, and she was overwhelmed with how much she loved him. She was overwhelmed with how much she appreciated him, and she ran and got this box, and the Bible says she broke it. She didn't just open it and give Jesus some. She broke it, which tells us she wanted him to have it all. And it was an act of worship. And in that act of worship, she was criticized. She was ridiculed by other Christians, and uh, they said she was wasting it. But here's what Mary thought. Mary thought, how much is Jesus worth? How valuable is Jesus to me? And she wanted him to have not just some of her most precious possession, but all of it. 
And that's what Jesus wants from us at Christmas. To worship is to say of Jesus, Jesus, you are worth it all. You are worth everything to me. There is no one so precious to me as you, Lord. Sadly, worship is a missing ingredient in the lives of many believers. A missing ingredient that can add, if we can add that dimension to our life, if we can learn worship, if we can learn what it is and learn how to do it, it will add much depth to our walk with Christ. It will add much richness to our relationship with Him. So what I want to do in this series is I want to help you with that. So I hope you'll listen carefully and follow us through this series. I don't want to send you away uh, from this sermon series loaded down with guilt because you uh, are not worshiping Christ as you know you should this Christmas, instead of loading you down with guilt, I want to help you learn. I want you to join me as I learn what worship is, what it means, and how to do it. That's why we gather here today. That's why we're in this room today. That's why we're here every week and in the middle of the week. And many of you are out here many days of the week. That's why we have small groups. That's why we offer classes. That's why we have times of prayer is because we want you to worship him. We want you to be reminded to focus on him, your life. When we genuinely worship, it changes us. It changes us in a very positive way. It's kind of like, you know, you go into the mall, you go in some of these big malls, which I'm sure you'll do during Christmas. You come up to a screen maybe that looks kind of like this one. Maybe it's turned the other way, and it's a, a map of the mall. And then there's this red dot there that says what? You are here. So it's kind of like worship and learning about worship and becoming a worshiper is like a map. You are here. Worship is over here. And you're asking yourself, what does it take? What path do I take to get from here to over here? How do I, as a Christian, add that depth to my walk with God, add that richness to my walk with God? How do I learn about worship? How do I become a true worshiper of Jesus Christ? How do I get from this place to over here where meaningful worship is? To get that answer, we're going to look at some guys and study some guys and allow some guys in the Bible to teach us about worship. We meet these worshipers at the very first Christmas in Matthew chapter 2. And we're not going to go to Matthew chapter 2 yet, but that's what we're going to uh, be focusing on. They sought for Jesus. They sought for him so they could worship him. Listen to this now. Don't look at the scripture yet. They sought for Jesus for the purpose of of worshiping him. They came all the way from the east, this is significant, and they were called wise men or magi. So let's go to the Bible now and look at what happened with the wise men at the first Christmas. And we're going to read a pretty lengthy portion of scripture, but I want you to notice there are going to be six phrases that I have in yellow text as we go through this. And those are the phrases we're going to kind of focus on through this sermon series. So the very first one you already see right there, from the east. They came from the east. You say, why is that important? I'm so glad you asked because I'm going to answer that question today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And ask, 
Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to what? Worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Competition. Because he knew this was a king that was being born in Bethlehem and he was the king. And so he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had heard, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they answered, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And now he's quoting that Old Testament scripture. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you, out of Bethlehem, this is an Old Testament prophecy. This is one of the reasons we know, and there are many reasons, but this is one of the reasons we know that the Bible is truth because it is prophesied thousands of years before and then it is fulfilled in the New Testament. For, of, for out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel, the Jewish people, verse 7, then Herod called the Magi, he called the wise men secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and lied. <laughs> he told a lie, listen to this. He said to the wise men, go and make a careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. How many of you know Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus? He wanted to kill Jesus. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they, they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, watch this, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and, watch this, presented him with gifts of gold and Frankenstein. I'm sorry, I, I heard a kid do that one year at Christmas. Uh, gold and incense, and of course in the King James it says frankincense. And of incense and of myrrh, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream, I love this. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route by another way. In this series, we will look at six facts about worship, and today we're going to look at the first of these six phrases taught to us in this Bible story from the wise men. Number one, true worship begins with a heartfelt desire. True worship begins with a heartfelt desire. Desire. You know what? If you don't have a desire to worship, then you're not going to worship. You have to want this in your life. You have to desire worship in your life. Worship is not going to burst in the front door of your life uh, and, and force itself on you. Like the wise men, you have to seek him for the purpose of worshiping him. Look what it says in Matthew 2 and 1. It says, Magi from the east 
came to Jerusalem. Now, who were these wise men? Who were they? Who were these magi? The magi were actually political advisors. These men had expertise in science and agriculture and math and history and astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy and religion. Because of their vast knowledge, these wise men were sort of the power behind the power. As a matter of fact, they are referred to as kingmakers. They were referred to as kingmakers of that day. This is why they were interested in this king, this little child king called Jesus. They had heard that this baby was not just any king, but he was a very special king. And they came, they journeyed, not just to see him, but to worship him. It is important that you note that they came from the east. Their journey to find the special king took them several months. It was a very expensive journey. It was a very costly journey. And this is included in the scripture to indicate to us that they made this huge effort, this costly effort, this, this, um, they spent energy, they spent time, they were exhausted as they traveled. These men did this. They went to this trouble. They went to this um, extreme effort to find Jesus because there was a deep desire in, him, in them. There was a sincere desire in them, again, to find him and to worship him. When you think about true worship, when you think about what it is, you come to realize it all begins with desire. And I want you in this series, and I just want to challenge you guys, evaluate your worship life. Again, I don't mean when we're singing. I want you to worship during that time. But worship is so much more. It's so much more important. So I want you to begin to pray and say, God, you know, I am your son through the person of Jesus Christ. I have come to know you. I'm your daughter. I've come to know you as my Savior. But, Lord, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be like Mary. I want to be like Mary who didn't care what anybody thought, but she worshiped Jesus with all of her heart. As a matter of fact, you know, if we're not being criticized for our devotion to Christ, then we're maybe not as devoted to Christ as we thought we were. There's an emptiness in our lives. And there's nothing in man that wants God. We don't have the sense to know that God's what we need. But every man has an emptiness. He has a desire. He has a longing in his life. He yearns for that emptiness to be fulfilled. You know, when I think of wanting something, or when I think of being hungry for something, I kind of put it in the I kind of put it in the category of a physical desire. You know, you want, you're, you're hungry. You want food. And I know how to fix that, don't y'all? You can look at me and tell I fixed it many times when I had that problem. But when I'm hungry, all I have to do is get food and consume that food to find satisfaction. One of the mistakes we make is this. Listen carefully. Is that when we have these spiritual needs... Because we don't realize it, because we don't know, or because we're kind of selfish, we try to meet those needs in physical ways. 
Now, what I want to talk to you about, first of all, is that emptiness. That emptiness in your life. And, and you can't really put your finger on it, maybe. Maybe you've really been searching and you thought, if I try this, I'll be fulfilled. If I, if I consume this, if I buy this, if I do this, I'll be fulfilled. And you've tried everything. And you say, well, how do I know when my hunger is spiritual? Again, it's that emptiness, that isolation, that loneliness, that sense of hopelessness. You think if you try this thing the world offers or that thing or you touch this or touch that or you have that person in your life or if you get this job or you get that promotion or you, or you live in this place that you're going to be fulfilled. And then everything you do, it may for a little while bring some sense of satisfaction, but in a little while you realize, man, this ain't doing it either. I still got that emptiness in me. You feel the inner need for confidence, peace, and strength. You, need it, you realize, I need this for my career. I need it for my family. I need it in my marriage relationship, in my parenting relationship. I need it in my finances. What is it I'm looking for? I'm not being satisfied. What is it I'm looking for? And many times what we've tried to do is we've looked at this emptiness inside us and we've tried to meet it with physical means by maybe spending more money uh, that we don't have or eating food or too much food or we binge on entertainment. We think if I, can, if I can get to this entertainment, if I can uh, get to this level on my job, if I can uh, spend this and buy this and own this thing, then I'm going to be happy. A lot of people, after a while, they struggle so much, they begin to drink alcohol and they begin to try to satisfy it that's, that way or they use drugs and they begin to try to satisfy that emptiness that way and the approach that they use again it may temporarily meet the need for a short time but it's not meeting the spiritual need it's only meeting a physical need for a brief time so it's not permanent you know what the bible says about sin the bible says that it is pleasurable the Bible is honest. The Bible says sin has pleasures, but it is for a limited time. It is for a short period of time. And so men keep going back and they keep trying to satisfy that need. This is where addictions come from. And you know in my family, that I'm well aware of the power of addiction. And there are people sitting right here in this audience right now, and I want to tell you I love you. But you're addicted, and you know it. And so I just want to speak to you and tell you that addictions happen because we're trying to meet a spiritual need through physical means. We keep trying this approach over and over and over, but it never works, and we end up with another problem called addiction. What we really need to do is learn what it means to worship. We need to learn what it means to worship, and then we need to do that consistently in our life. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can fulfill that emptiness that I'm talking about today. He's the only one who can give you permanent hope. He is the only one who can give you that permanent confidence, that permanent connection, that permanent um, fulfillment for that emptiness. Spiritual hunger can only be fulfilled by spiritual means. Now, you know, the Bible kind of proves what I'm saying, that people have a tendency to want to satisfy spiritual needs with physical means. 
And so God gets that, and he knows we're like that. So look what he said about himself. He said, I am the bread of life. You're hungry. You're hungry. You can eat all the food you want to eat. You will never be full until you eat of the bread I offer. I love that scene in the Bible where Jesus stands up in the middle of a bunch of unbelievers and says, You want life? I am the water of life. I'm living water. Come drink of me. If you will drink of me, you will never thirst again. And I love that Old Testament verse that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And what he's saying here is you've got a spiritual hunger and you need to come to me. You're never going to satisfy it by anything the world offers you. Come to me. Now, where did these wise men get their desire? Where did they get their desire? I mean, what, what made them say, uh, we want Jesus, we want to find Jesus, we want to find this king, and we don't want to just find him, but we want to find him, we want to see him, and we want to what? We want to worship him. We want to worship him. What did that? How did they get that? How did they get that desire? The desire for those wise men, for those magi, came through a supernatural message that there was something happening that they needed to be a part of. And that supernatural message was a star. It was a star. And I know, you know, there are some stories in the Bible that some of you, uh, through time, you've kind of relegated those to fables or just some little story that's not really true. I want to tell you this is real, and this is true. God sent a supernatural guide for these wise men to seek Jesus, find Jesus, and worship Jesus. And they did it. You say, um, well, how did the star communicate with them? I don't know. I don't know how the star communicated with them. And if a preacher tells you he does know, he doesn't know. There's no answer for that. I read behind every great Bible scholar I could think of, and there's just a lot of ideas and theories about how that star just spoke to their heart that Jesus was being born, and they needed to find him. They needed to seek him. They needed to worship him. But because of the message of that star, a powerful desire was born in the hearts of these wise men. And that desire resulted in their willingness and their determination to find Jesus, to go where this king was who had been born. And like these magi, here comes the application for this sermon today. God will send you a messenger. God will send you a star. As a matter of fact, if you will pray, God will send that star. God will send that messenger. Some of you have already had that messenger sent to you. As a matter of fact, I would say everybody here has been messaged. God was messaging way before we were messaging. He was messaging way before Facebook was messaging. God was sending communication to us to connect us with his son. He was working on us. And we're going to look at different ways that he did that. But God knows we have that emptiness. That emptiness, that, that desire for companionship and our loneliness, hope in a hopeless world, grace because we're prone to sin, our, our need for strength, and God sends us a star. And that star assures us that only he can meet our needs. And we're drawn by that star. So let's look very quickly at a few stars 
in your life? What are some things in your life that birth in you an interest in Jesus? A desire for Jesus to find him, to seek him first, to find him, and then to receive him and worship him. You know, I was looking, I was just thinking about some. I jotted some down. I want to tell you that the list I'm going to give you today, the stars that speak to us, I don't have them all. There's not a comprehensive list. God speaks in so many different ways. But I thought of one star that has been sent to every one of us. There's one star that God has used toward every one of us, and it is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who brings conviction in our life. The Holy Spirit helps us see that we're apart from God and that we need Him. And then the Holy Spirit, the Bible uses this word, it woos us. How many of you um, ladies out there remember when your husband was wooing you? Yeah. How many of y'all would say he's quit wooing? No, don't, don't raise your hand. But how many of you remember the wooing? You remember how... Uh, he would reach out to you and how he would show his interest. You know, the Bible says God does that with us, and he does it through the Holy Spirit. Uh, for those of you who are kind of new to this whole thing, have you ever been just sitting in the car, or maybe you're riding to work, or maybe you're, you're by yourself at a coffee shop or, or whatever, maybe you're at home and there's just a quiet moment, and there's this sense you begin to think about eternity, and you begin to think about what's going to happen after I die? And you begin to say, what in the world is going to happen? I don't know what to believe. I don't know what, you know, to listen to. I don't know what church is telling the truth. And, and you know what? If I was an unbeliever out there, if I was somebody who wasn't following Jesus and I wasn't brought up like I was, there would be so much confusion in my life. But there's a voice. There's a, vo a voice amidst all the confusion. And he will tell you the truth. Here's what I would say to you. If you're here today... And you're not sure about this whole church thing, you know, this whole Bible, Jesus, who is the real God. Let me, let me just ask you to do something. Just say, Holy Spirit, if you're there, speak to my heart. Because you know what? I believe everybody wants to know the truth. I believe everybody wants to know what's right. And I know it's hard uh, many times to listen to a man because men fail and men stumble and men uh, get up like me standing here in the pulpit and they're preaching and then all of a sudden you hear where they've had a collapse in their life and their life's fallen apart and they've left their wife or, or they've embezzled money. And you say, what in the world is going on? I don't know who to listen to. Let me tell you something. There is one who will speak to you in the night. There is one who will speak to you when you lay your head down, you turn those lights off, all the sound is gone, and it is the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, and I mentioned this this week in a memorial service, and I've mentioned it here many times. I love the promise of Jesus to Pilate. He said, Pilate, if a man wants to know me, if a person's curious about me, if a person wants to know who I am, I will reveal myself to him. So I want to say to you who are here today and you're seeking, you, you say, well, I don't see a star. I, I don't, I've got that emptiness, man. There's no doubt about that. And I've tried a lot of things and I'm, I'm still not satisfied, uh, a pastor. So, so I don't know that I'm hearing this voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, what I would say to you is after you've heard this message, begin to seek that in your life and say, I need God if you're there. 
God, I don't know what to believe. Men are saying so many different things. This religion speaking against that religion. This religion is killing people who are not a part of their religion. God, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to listen to. I don't know what church to go to. So just say, God, if you're there, speak to me. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you that he will speak to you. He will come to you. I don't know how he'll do it. I don't know how he'll do it. And that kind of brings us to some of the other stars that may lead us. How many of you know music is powerful? How many of you know sometimes music will have a bigger impact than a sermon? And that's why sometimes in the middle of a sermon, I just want to break out in song because I want to make sure that I have the biggest impact I can have on you guys. How many of y'all would just rather me stick to preaching? Okay. I think we just had a 100% vote right there in this church. That's a miracle. But I got to tell you, man, you know what, guys? I'm like that. I'm like that. Matter of fact, you know what I found? When I'm seeking God about what to preach, when I'm seeking God about what he wants me to say to you guys, sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I get a mental block, and I just can't, I just can't get anything going in my head that makes any kind of sense. And you know what I'll do sometimes? I'll just put on some worship music, and I'll begin to worship, and I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just turn everything off, and I, will, I have a worship chair. It's got a little handle on the side. And it's my worship chair. <laughs> and Millie goes, what are you doing in there? I go, laying before the Lord, leave me alone. <laughs> seriously, seriously, I will, I will lay back in that chair. Thank God. You know, the Internet's bad, but it's also good. It's whatever you make it. And I can connect to some worship music immediately. And I can just get there and get by myself and push those papers and pens and books to the side. And all of a sudden, God in that music, he would just break up that area that was blocked where I couldn't hear, I couldn't see, I couldn't get anything together that made any sense. You know what? You need a good library of books, but you need a good library of music. And let me tell you what I love about God. God loves all kinds of Christian music. I know some of y'all think when we get to heaven, the worship is going to be four guys in the same suit with microphones. I know y'all want that. You know what? That's cool. Man, I love that kind of music too. Once in a while, I've, I have a hankering for some old Southern gospel. And I'll turn over there to the Southern gospel music and I'll listen to it. And then, uh, you know, our church has a flavor. But how'd y'all like singing those old Christmas songs today? We put a little, we put a little uh, jiggy with it, but, uh, you know, it was still good, wasn't it? You know, I love that old music. And then uh, uh, I, listened to a, I listened to a band yesterday morning. Uh, gosh, I can't remember their name, but they were on TV. And they had a bluegrass sound. And, man, it was so powerful. And it was so rich. And you might be sitting here saying, man, I can't go with that bluegrass. Well, you know what? What you like, another person might look at that and go, I can't go with that. Here's the thing about God. If it honors him, if it lifts him up, there's all kind of music out there. And you need to find your kind. And you need to find music that has a message. And you need to plug it in. I'm telling you. If you don't do that, you're going to get stopped up. You're going to get clogged up in your Christian life, and that flow is not going to be there. I'm telling you, music can break it. And for those of you who don't even believe, you haven't even believed yet, you ought to go ahead and listen to Christian music. 
Go ahead and listen to it and just see what that message is. I tell you what, some of you who don't know what to give people for Christmas, man, give people some, some resources, some, some ways God can speak to them and, and minister to their life. And I know we got a list of books that are not in the bookstore that I've recommended, and we're going to work on that and get all those in there. But let me just tell you, let me just tell you about a website where you can get uh, books really, really cheap. And I didn't mean to get into this today, but the, it's Christmas. CBD, Christian book distributors, man, they got the best prices on Christian books. As a matter of fact, a lot of the books that are in our bookstore, we get them right there, and we charge you guys exactly what they cost us. So I would encourage you, if, you don't, if there's a book you don't know about uh, or you can't find in our bookstore, our little bookstore, then go online and get that book. Get that Bible that you need, and uh, they'll send it to you. Am I making any sense up here today? And that kind of brings me to a third star I want to talk about, and that is the star of Scripture. You say, man, I don't understand the Bible. I don't get it. You know what that tells me? You're really not reading it. And some of you, you go, man, I, I want to read the Bible, and you tell me, you, I'm starting in Revelation. Don't start in Revelation. <laughs> start in Revelation. I'm going, to start, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to read Daniel. Daniel's a heavy book. Romans is a heavy book. You know what you ought to read? You ought to read John, or you ought to read Psalms. And then you get in those books, and boy, that's like God just speaking to you out of that. That's a star. Music is a star. The Holy Spirit is a star that leads you, that gives you that desire. It was a star. I don't know how, but it was supernatural. That star put in the magi, put in the wise men. That star put in them a desire. Something was born in them. Something was birthed in them, and it led them to seek Jesus and find Jesus and worship Jesus. Another star is people. God will send people in your life who will be a star to you. You know, you might look at a person's life and say, how can they have that kind of peace when I know their world is falling apart? Have you ever looked at somebody and said that? How can they have that kind of peace when I know their world is crushed right now? I wish I had that. How do they have that kind of joy in the midst of all the trouble they're going through? I wish I had that kind of joy. I wish I had that kind of confidence that they have. You know what I found a lot of times? People are jealous of people like that. Don't be jealous. Just look at that and understand that that's God telling you that there's a spiritual hunger in your life and it comes uh, through Jesus Christ that it's met. That need that you have in you is met through loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus. That need you have in you is met by saying, God, that person has something I want. That person inspires me. That person challenges me. And God, I know they got it from you, and I want that. You see how a person can be a star to you? You know, most of the time we think of people as being a hindrance to us, don't we? But there are also people in your life who inspire you, who challenge you. And then finally, and I could mention so many more, but circumstances of life can be a star. Good circumstances. 
good circumstances. You know, something good can happen. You could get a raise. You could get a new job making a lot more money and having to spend a lot less time at work, a lot less pressure. Uh, you can be blessed by, by your child is healed or you get healed. There are many, many ways you can be blessed, and that's a good thing. And what you do when a good thing happens is you assume immediately God did that. What does the Bible say? All good things, come on, come from the Lord. All good things come from the Lord. So when a good thing comes, you can assume, you can automatically assume that was from God. And you can say, you know what? I didn't think God was out there, but I know this was an act of God. And you begin to move toward God. It creates that desire, and you begin to move toward him. Now, this, has, this happens with people who believe and those who don't believe. Because i got to tell you, I run into believers who are extremely discouraged and they say they can't find God in their life. And then when we begin to have a conversation and they begin to tell me about good things that are happening in their life, I look at them and go, that's God. You know, we can get so down, we can get so discouraged, we can get our face pointed in the wrong way so much that we don't even see God's blessings happening in our lives. So bad circumstances can point you to God and, or good ones, and bad ones can as well. You say, well, when bad things happen, I just want to give up. But when something bad happens, here's what you need to do. You need to say, I don't have what it takes to walk through this by myself. If I try to handle this by myself, I'm going to lose it. I know God's reaching out to me through this. He wants to help me. And you know what you do? You reach out to God in bad times. And look, get real. Get real with God. As a matter of fact, you say, well, you know what? The reason I don't reach out to God in bad times is because I don't want to be a hypocrite. And, you know, I, I didn't reach out to him when everything was okay. And I'm not going to be a, re uh, a hypocrite and reach out to him when, when things go bad. Because, you know, I, I just don't want to be a hypocrite. Let me tell you something. That's a bunch of junk from the devil right there. When bad things happen to you, cry out. Cry out to God. You say, I don't even know if he's there. Well, tell him that. Say, God, I don't even know if you're there, but if you're there, show yourself to me. I'm telling you right now, he will keep his promise that whoever wants to know me, I will show myself to them. So right now in your mind, I'm on the last page. Everybody say amen. <laughs> well, the last page. Right now in your mind, right there where you're sitting, just recognize all these ways that God has created desire in you and God is the one who can meet that hunger. And in your mind, you just say something like this to God. I just kind of wrote down something a person might say. God, I need your presence to fulfill my need for connection. God, I need your comfort to fulfill my need for hope and strength. God, I need your strength to fulfill my need for significance in this world. God, I need you more than I realize. This need, God, this emptiness, this hunger I feel inside makes me want to reach out to you, find you, connect with you, worship you. And through my worship and surrender, God, I know that you will keep your promise and meet the needs in my life. All through the scripture, he says it. That's where you start with that sincere desire and understanding there are stars in your life all the time pointing you to Jesus. But you've got to ask God to make you sensitive, to make you able to see that so you won't miss it because it's so easy to be so busy 
It's so easy to have so many other things going on in our life that when God sends a star, we don't even see it. God, help me see the people, the circumstances. Help me sense the Holy Spirit and hear the Holy Spirit and help me to receive that pull of the Holy Spirit toward you. Help me, God, to get the right kind of music in my life so that it will speak to me. God, I want to hear from you. I'm telling you right now, Christian and non-Christian, it doesn't matter. I'm talking to everybody in this house. If you're not hearing from God, if you're not getting any direction from God, if you're not sensing God in your life, just say, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you, God. See, some of you, the reason you don't hear from him is because you want to hear from him about one particular thing. But see, that one particular thing you want to hear from him about, that might not be the main thing. He wants you to hear from him on what he wants you to hear from him about. Does that make sense? So you say, God, I'm going to quit telling you. You know, sometimes we tell God we want to hear from him, and we tell him what to say. <laughs> what you want to do is say, God, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I think I need. You know what I need. Speak to that in my life. And help me see you and help me hear you. Create a desire in me the way you created a desire in those wise men to seek you and find you and worship you. Let's all stand together.